Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to 2 Kings 6. Second Kings 6, and you follow as I read, beginning at verse 8, we'll go to verse 23. 2 Kings 6 at verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servant, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down, going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. You shall strike, would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. When they'd eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master and the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it it endures and endures and endures forever. The story that I just read you is a story about vision. It's It's about sight. It's about blindness. Uh, which is the theme that is really infrequently found in the in the Old Testament. But that is a theme that is found oh so frequently in the New Testament, especially in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. There are numerous occasions where Jesus is working with sight, vision, blindness. There, It, it all starts in Matthew 9. There was two men that he healed the blindness there. Then there were two more later on uh, when they were sitting by the side of the road outside of Jericho and... And he healed those two. 
Then there, there, there was that interesting man in Bethsaida that he, that he healed, remember? And he spit on his eyes. Remember that? He spit on his eyes and, and then he said, do you, can you see? And he said, well, I see uh, trees that look like, or men that look like trees. And so he touched them again and then he received his, his sight. And then um, th- there are numerous occasions where Jesus said, oh, they have eyes, but they do not see. There's a, there's a conversation between him and the disciples of, of John the Baptist, you may recall. John the Baptist is in jail and he's wondering, uh, if I'm in jail, is that really the right Messiah or is that the wrong one that I've been pointing to? So he sends two of his disciples over to see Jesus. And they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we wait for somebody else? And Jesus' reply is very interesting. He says, go back and tell them this. Go back and tell them that, that the blind receive their sight. He says some other things, but that's the thing he starts with. The blind receive their sight. Guys, I guess the most famous incident in the life of Jesus is in John 9. And I'd, I'd like for you to take a look at it. We're not going to look at it long, but there's something said there that's very important. You remember the, the story about John in John 9? It's the, it's the story of the man who was born blind at birth. And Jesus heals him, makes some little mud with spittle, <laughs> and, and, and puts it on his eyes, and he, and he sees. And, and then um, it was on the Sabbath that he was healed. And, and so the Pharisees are very upset with that. And, and so they call this newly sighted man into their presence and said, Do you know what happened? And they ask him this series of questions to the point that he's frustrated. They got it, that is the guy that just got healed. And, and, and in the midst of this interrogation, he says, wait, 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 wait. I don't know that I can answer all your questions. But this much I know. Once I was blind. But now I see. And they kick him out of the synagogue. And then later, the Pharisees find Jesus, and that's what I wanted you to see. It's in verses um, 40 and 41 of John 9. Look at it, because this is, this is important stuff, guys, it, it seems to me. Some of the Pharisees, that's, this is 940, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, eh, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, eh, your guilt remains. Do you understand that? You get that? Does that confuse you? That, that statement on the part of Jesus? I mean, if you were blind, then you would be forgiven. But if you're not blind, you won't be. Does that, does that confuse you? Guys, that's an important statement. And I think this little story in Second Kings 6 is going to help us understand it. We're going to look at it a little bit later. But, but let, let me just say this now. Guys, any time in the New Testament, any time in the Bible that you find something repeated as often as I just showed you that blindness slash vision is repeated in the New Testament, any time something like that is repeated that much, uh, you better take note. There's something that's being said. There's something important going on here. There's something up. There's something behind it. And I would suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a very rich theological truth behind all this blindness business. You know, there's a kind of blindness that you can have just by claiming that you don't have blindness. (laughs) 
Did you get that? There's a kind of blindness that you can have when you claim I'm not blind. Guys, there's more than one kind of blindness. You know, um, to my knowledge, there's no one in this room this morning who suffers from total physical blindness. Nobody in here that I know of is totally blind. But there may be dozens of you who are blind and just don't know it. Because there's a physical blindness, guys, and then there's another one. It's not physical at all. In fact, you might have 20-20. But spiritual things are are just all a fuzz for you. I don't get what it all is. If you were blind, you would not be guilty. What's all that? You know, guys, modern people, that is our generation, our world, they are functional empiricists. You know what an empiricist is? An empiricist is somebody that says, I don't believe anything that I can't see. They're very much like Elisha's servant. Did you see that guy, the servant in the story that I just read you? Uh, you know, did you get the story? I mean, the story is Elisha, the prophet of Israel, keeps telling the king of Israel to avoid the king of Syria because they're fighting. And so every time the king of Syria would set up a camp, the king of Israel would avoid it. And so the king of Syria has finally had enough of this, and he says, uh, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> uh, who's, who's the traitor among us? And, and, the, and the, these people say, it's not us, it's Elisha. And they say, well, get some people together and go down and get him. So they go to Dothan to get, to get Elisha, and when they arrive there, the servant of Elisha goes out and sees nothing but this big old army encircling the city. And he says, oh, what are we going to do now? And Elisha says, don't worry, son. Because there's more people with us than with them. And then he prays. Did you notice this in verse 17? He says, um, God, would you open his eyes? But wait a minute. His eyes are opened. I mean, he's seeing something. He sees the Syrian army out there. And, and, and Elisha says, would you open his eyes so that he could see what I see? And God does that, and then he sees these, this army that's in, you know. And then it happens again, you know, because God then blinds the army of Syria. And so Elisha goes and gets them and says, hey, um, um, you know, you're on the wrong road. Come with me. I'll take you to the right place. And so he takes them, and you notice where he took them. He took them to Samaria. That's the, that's the capital of Israel. So he takes them into the, to the lion's den of their, of, of their enemy. And so then he prays in verse 20, hey, God, Open their eyes so they can see. So he does. And then they see, oops, we're, we're, we've been captured by our enemy. <laughs> oops. And on both occasions, ladies and gentlemen, it was because, oh, they had vision. But they didn't have vision. Do you get that? I mean, I'm not trying to stump you. This is not, this is not logic school here. But there is more than one kind of blindness and, and modern people are functional empiricists. They say, I don't believe in anything that I can't see. They're very much like Elisha's servant, not Elisha. 
And so they think, if I can't see it, it ain't there. And where is, let me say this again, where is, I I don't know of anybody in this room who is suffering from total physical blindness. There may be dozens of you who see, but don't see. Because until, ladies and gentlemen, God opens your eyes to see, you're as blind as those soldiers who had no idea that they were on a path that was leading to their own destruction. You're just like that. You're as blind as they are. Oh, I mean, I got 2020 right here, you know, I got, no, no, no. There's, that's not what I'm talking about. And that's not what this story is talking about. And that's not the message that's contained in all of those stories in the New Testament and the life and ministry of Jesus. It's not what Jesus has in mind in John 9. He looks at some people and they say, are we blind too? And he says, well, of course you are if you only knew it. Because if you were blind, then your guilt would be gone. But if you say you see, then your guilt remains. How did that happen? Where did this spiritual blindness come to come from in the first place? It came from Genesis 3, ladies and gentlemen. It came from the fall. It came from the entrance of sin. You know, the sin of Adam did a whole lot more damage than pain and childbirth and weeds. One of the things that it did, one of the other things that it did, besides the weeds and the pain and childbirth, one of the other things that it did is that it rendered us incapable of seeing spiritual things. It, 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 it damaged the spiritual optic nerve, folks. We, we, um, all of us at some point, and some of us even today still, have no more ability to see spiritual things than, than did those soldiers who Elisha was leading into, the, into a death trap. Um, now guys, if, if you, if you still open at John 9, do you, do you understand what Jesus is saying better now? The, the Pharisee says, I mean, are we blind too? I mean, of, of all people, us? I mean, a spiritual elite? And his reply is, oh, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see. And your guilt remains. Guys, I hope this doesn't confuse you, but one of the earmarks, one of the characteristics of spiritual blindness is the insistence that I see. Do you get that? One of the characteristics of spiritual blindness is the notion, is the idea that I am fully sighted. Guys, what you see being described in John 9, those Pharisees, is a description of a spiritual system. It's a belief system. It's a belief system that says, everything that I need, I've got. Every spiritual capacity that I've ever needed, I have it. 
I, I, all that I need to stand before God, I, I presently possess it. I'm just fine, thank you. There's nothing that, that is going to be demanded of me that I myself cannot produce. You're looking at 2020 here, sonny boy. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't need anything other than what I've got. I'm just fine. I had a lady tell me a story recently that she had a friend that told her, that she was on a self-guided tour to God. Isn't that, isn't that descriptive? I'm on a self-guided tour to God. Guys, that's what, that's the thing that Jesus is denouncing. This, this insistence that, that, that I, I've got everything, I get it all together. I don't need any help. Everything that I need, I've got. I mean, I, I don't know that I don't know. I don't see that I don't see. All I know is all that I need I got. Blind? Not me. It's a belief system, ladies and gentlemen. It's a whole concept of yourself. It's the idea that, that there's, that you're perfectly satisfied with self that you are that you have this estimate of your own spiritual abilities your own spiritual capacities you you are you are confident that everything that that god asks of you you can produce there's this refusal there's this refusal to admit that i have any need at all That means you're blind. But when and if you ever come to the place where you say, oh my goodness, it's this blindness that has gotten me into the mess that I'm in. Um... Once I recognize that I'm blind, then I see. Well, what does that mean? You see, guys, once you are aware that you need help that's going to come from outside of you, that's the first indicator that God has intervened to open your eyes. Once you are done with all of this foolishness about your own self-capacity and your own spiritual abilities, once once you begin to see how flawed that is, that's simply an indicator that God has given you eyes to see. Just like he did that young man, just like he did that army of Syrians. Gang, People who recognize, who admit that they're blind, they're the ones who see. They're the ones in whose lives God has intervened to give them eyes that see. You know, guys, um, just, just existentially, had you been one of those Syrian soldiers and you 
got led to the capital of your enemy and you're surrounded by a, a, a hostile army and, and, and God opens your eyes like he did those Syrian soldiers when he opens your eyes. What do you think you'd be talking about? What do you think you would say? Would you say something like, I don't have any needs that I know of. <laughs> I, I'm in, I'm in good shape. No, ladies and gentlemen, I think you'd say something like, uh oh. I'm in trouble. I'm helpless. I'm defenseless. And if I don't get some help from outside, I'm doomed to destruction. And when you say that, That's when you see. That's just an evidence that God has given you eyes to see. Hey guys, I love to, um, I love to do this little test. And if you've been in my systematics class, you've already heard this test. I do it a lot. I love this little test. But if you've never heard it, it's, it's, it is really, um, in fact, I bet you some of you who've been around me a lot knew that somewhere I was going to stick this in the sermon because it has to do with blindness. But here's a test for you. Just, just a little, just a brief, Bible quiz. Um, it's an easy thing. It won't, it won't, it won't, you don't have to write anything down. Just, just think with me. Here's the test. I'm going to quote a verse for you. I'm going to quote a verse and I'm going to leave out one word in that verse. I'm just going to leave it blank. And what I want you to do while you sit there, don't, don't, you don't need to shout at anything for heaven's sakes. They might think terrible things of us, you know? Uh, you don't need to say anything. Just think in your mind. Okay. I know the word that's in that blank. I know what's there. Are you ready? It's a simple test. I've given it numerous times here at Gracie Van. Here's the test. By the way, I'm not tricking you by the quoting of the, of the text. I'm quoting you John 3, 3. Don't look. This is a closed book test. Here's the test. Are you ready? It's simple. Jesus said unto Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot blank the kingdom of God. What's in the blank? Let, 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 me, re, let me quote it again. Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot blank the kingdom of God. What's the word? Don't don't say anything. Don't say anything. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this because it would embarrass you. But if you stuck the word enter into that blank, you would be wrong. Because that's not the word that's in there. You want the word that's in there? It goes like this. And Jesus said unto Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see. You ought to have known that from the, what I've been saying, you know. <laughs> you cannot see it. Unless you are born again, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot see it. You're as blind as Pharisees. You're as blind as Syrian soldiers. Unless and until God grants you the rebirth, you'll never see it. What, Jimmy? See what? Well, first of all, you start by seeing your sin. And then the next thing you see is the great provision that God has made for sinners. 
And you say, you know, if, if I don't get some outside help here, I'm doomed. Oh, there's outside help? Who, who, who's the help? Who? Him. Christ Jesus. Oh, I need a Savior, but not just any Savior. I need your Savior. I need that Savior. I need the one who lived the life that I should have lived and died the death that I should have died. I need Him. And I see that. Right after. I'm born again. Ladies and gentlemen, how does God do this? He does it by the, by the work of God's Spirit. It's God the Holy Spirit that grants eyes to see and ears to hear. It is God that gives sight. It is God that removes blindness. You know, we use a little microscope to examine this very tiny physical world of the unseen. We use a telescope to to study the, the mammoth cosmic world. But ladies and gentlemen, only God gives sight like this. The sight to see your sin. The sight to see that you need this Savior. And my friend, if you are seated here today and saying, I don't see it. It's because you're blind. And I would say to you, beg God. Begging for those eyes. Begging that he would make you fully sighted. In the language of, of the Old Testament, it's called exchanging a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. In the language of John 3, it's that I'm born again. In the language of this story of Second Kings 6, it's in verse 17 and it's in verse 20. Did you see it both times? It says, and the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And then, along with John Newton, you sing of a truth. You sing, I was once blind. But now I see. Because God the Holy Spirit has given me eyes to see things that I have never seen before. Guys, once he does that, all of this foolishness about what a good person I am, on this self-guided tour to God, I'm okay, you're okay, all of that foolishness disappears because you know how wrong it is. Because none of that's true. There is none good. No, not one. I didn't make that up. That's in Romans 3. But if you are still of the impression that everything that you need to stand before God, you've got in and of yourself. My friend, I say to you as kindly as I know how. You are blind and still in your sin. But once he opens your eyes, no more talk about my goodness. 
talk only about Christ and Him crucified. Do you see that? If not, in the language of John 9, your guilt remains. If you do see it, it is because God has given you eyes to see. It is the God who has replaced blindness with sight. It's the same God who replaces death with life. And that same God begins to treat you like the king of Israel treated those captured Samaritan soldiers or Syrian soldiers. You see what he did? He didn't give them what they deserved. He gave them a feast. People who deserve to die. They got a feast. People who were formerly enemies. They got a feast. (laughs) And then when he sets them free, they go back and they're changed people. I'm not going to raid over in Israel anymore. I'm a different person. That's what happens, folks. When God allows us in His grace to see our sin and His provision for it. And once I do and I grab hold of the Savior, He treats me no longer as an enemy. I no longer get what I deserve. I get a feast. You see that? Our Father, I, so many of us who sit in this room this morning, we do see it, not because we're better or smarter or we had, we had a better education or more ability. We had none of that. We were just as wicked as anybody else. But you in sovereign grace have granted us eyes to see and ears to hear. And so the same message that we never heard for years, it made sense to us at a certain point. The same things that we, that we used to make excuses for, we saw as our sin and our, the same vacuum that we experienced inside, we realized could only be filled by Jesus Christ. All as a result of that great work of the Holy Spirit in in granting us the rebirth. So, Father, if you have led people here this morning who have eyes much like Pharisee eyes, who have never yet seen that they don't see, would you show them? Would you grant them what you granted us? We are no better, O God, no better than they. We plead for them to taste what we have tasted. Do that, Father, for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.